Let's just read for time's sake from verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now, we have read quite a lot. We have explained quite a lot. This is actually part five in Pentecostal Flame series, The Gifts of the Spirit. And to me, it's essential teaching. That's why I want to thank you for your patience with me because five weeks, sometimes it's going to be more weeks of this can say, well, when do we get the bits that we think we know? Um, and we will get there. I want, but I'm breaking it down systematically for you that you'll be able to understand more when this, the Spirit moves and speaks in our assembly. And you'll be able to understand what the Scriptures say, where we are coming from. And not only are we, am I, but are we as a church, a Pentecostal church, um, through uh, the, the Scriptures, by what we, we see the teaching in the Scriptures, but also by experience. By experience. And when we've experienced something, we can't go back and unexperience that. When you've experienced Christ, you can't go back and unexperience Christ. If you have truly come to a knowledge of Christ, you can't go back on that again, for it's been a revelation to you, and you can't undo that. You see, we looked last week at the word of wisdom, and we basically focused on the one, uh, that one gift, the word of wisdom. This morning, I want to hopefully look at two to finish up. Remember, there are nine spiritual gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Three sets of three. There are the revelation gifts, and then there are, in that, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. That's where we want to finish, God willing, this morning. So we looked at the word of wisdom. Now, this morning, we have read, there's, in verse 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Notice, to another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. The term here, knowledge, the word for knowledge, is the word gnosis. Gnosis, and it's where you would get the idea to know. To know something. And so it gives the idea of it's the act of, or the science of knowing. That's what it means. That's where it comes from. So wisdom, as we looked as in the word of wisdom, wisdom is when we know what to do about something. And we looked at it last week. When God's mind for a certain time, at a certain place, in certain circumstances, he gives us his mind for that time. And so we know whether it's coming reading the scripture through that, or whether it's God's mind coming through the Spirit, it will always line up with the Scripture. Never go against Scripture. And so it's where we are is we're looking at the Word. Remember the Logos? Remember the Logos was coming from the, the, Greek, um, the Greek theology of all the gods and how they related back and forward between the people of the earth and, this cre and the creation as they believed. And the Greek words taken into the New Testament were the Logos is the mind, the will, the plan, the purpose of God. And then we realize John's revelation of who he is. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. 
the same was in the beginning with God. It's the Logos. And so that's then verse 14 of John 1, and the Word was made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we realize here that the Word of wisdom, and now we have the same as the Word of knowledge, the Logos of knowledge. The Word of wisdom is knowing what to do. Knowledge, or the Word of knowledge, is knowing how to do it. How to do it. So, for example, if you, we will look at this a little later, like if Joseph is interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And he sees, you know, the, 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 the fat cattle and then the thin cattle and, the, and then the, he sees the stalks of ears and the, the full and flourishing stalks and then the thin and weary stalks and, and, and one eats the other. And he tells him that this is going to be a famine. Here's a word of wisdom. So in the Old Testament, these gifts are there. And so the word of wisdom to Pharaoh was, there's going to be a famine. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And so then, what do you do? Is it the word of knowledge is, here's what you do. You lay up in store for the next seven years. Make sure you bring in, just don't feed for that moment, but fill yourself. That's the knowledge coming. So it's what's going to happen, and then what to do with that when it's happening or before it happens. So the word of knowledge in the church can be the same in many different avenues and ways also. But notice this. The word of knowledge is the science, if you want, or it is the working out of what to do according to God's will. What to do according to God's will. So first of all, first of all, the word of knowledge gives enlightenment on truth hidden in the types and the shadows that are hidden in the Old Testament. For example, whenever we look at types and shadows of Noah's Ark, we can see it. We see how it's, what, what has happened with it. But the word of knowledge shows us salvation were those who were, for those who were in the ark. And the word of knowledge comes through the scriptures to tell us, here's what it stands for. Here's what it represents. So everyone to a degree has a word of knowledge. You have more knowledge, I told you last week. You have more wisdom than the, the man and the, or the woman who have the great mindsets and the wonderful brains to think of all of these wonderful scientific facts out there. You have more knowledge as a believer because you know the things of the Scriptures, the things of Christ. And so then we think of interpreting dreams in the Old Testament, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. And then secondly, the word of knowledge, listen, exposes the secret motives and the intentions of men. The word of knowledge exposes secret motives. God shows you how things will happen. God may give you, there's a word that comes, it's called the rima word. And the rima comes, it's a, a quickened word it means. It's a, a, the word alive to your heart. It's so, it's so alive to you that all of a sudden, as we would say, the light bulb comes on and you see it. Do you know how to do it? The wisdom comes of what is happening and the word of knowledge comes of what to do in the happening, how to experience that and what to do through that. So then we have the intentions of men's hearts are shown and 
if my memory serves me right, you can write down Ezekiel 8 and you'll see the intents of men's hearts and that being shown also. Thirdly, the word of knowledge is the revealing of things that are happening or have happened or are going to happen, things which no man could possibly know except God would reveal them to him. There's many times, there's many times where I'm speaking to someone and someone says, will you meet me? Will you talk to me? And I'm talking to you. And while I'm talking to you, I'm listening. But while I'm talking to you, I'm praying. I'm listening to you, but I'm listening for God. Just not last week, but the week before, I sat with for a, a few hours with a man. He's not here, so don't. But I sat for a few hours with a man. And as he was speaking to me, I was able to, I was saying, Lord, there's something missing here. Show me, Lord. How do I approach this man? What do I say to this man? Lord, show me. And suddenly it started fading through. Started coming through. And everything I was saying to him was like, you thought you were hitting him on the forehead with a mallet. Oh, oh, he's, wow. How did you know that? How did you know that? I was giving them words of wisdom. Just coming to me. And it wasn't any big flash of light. And it wasn't any, it was just, here it is. Here it is. And as I was speaking to him, to him and he says, well, what do I do? And then I was saying, keep talking. Next thing it comes to me, here's how you do it. And here's what to do with it. And the Lord, the Lord was saying, if he does this, this will happen. This will change. And guess what? He'd done it for two days. And he stopped. And he's went to pieces. It says, the Lord told you what to do. And you won't listen. Brothers and sisters, could I say this in a way that I said in love to all of us? Do you see whenever the Spirit's moving in our assembly? Do you see when there, whether it's a word of prophecy, tongue or interpretation? Listen, prick up your ears. See what the word or what God will say through that word to you. Listen. People say, ah, well, there's just, there happens again or there's something being said again. No, no. Listen because it's for the church. Listen intently and you'll be surprised what God will start to show you. We have a, we have a, a wonderful young woman, was well, young to me, in our church. Some time ago, she was going through a terrible time. Couldn't shake it. And one Sunday morning, there was a, a message given in tongues, and I gave an interpretation. I didn't know. I can't even remember the interpretation when I give it anyhow. I just don't know what's being said. I just can't remember it. People would say to me, do you remember you said that? And I went, no. I don't know. That young woman, that young mother, 
changed like that. It spoke to her heart in such a powerful fashion. It just changed her like that. And she is doing great in the Lord and in herself today. In fact, she's ministering. I didn't know this the weeks later, maybe months later. And I just had me talking to her, and I said, well, how are you keeping now? I'd been out praying with her, trying to talk to her. How are you keeping now? She says, well, actually, there was a morning when this interpretation came through, and it just hit me like that. That's just changed me. These things are not things that... I know there are people, and they have abused the gifts of the Spirit. They've made them look foolish, really foolish. They've made them look as if they're just something out of the... You think that they were on some sort of weird, wonderful drug sometimes. These are from God. These are an inheritance. These gifts are important. And these gifts are not to be abused nor messed around with. We should respect them. And we should sincerely seek after them. Because if God wants to give you more, I don't know about you, but I'm willing. I'm wanting and I'm desiring. I'm saying, Lord, give us more. Give us more. So, without turning to it, if you write down Genesis 41, you'll read of Joseph interpreting the dream. The word of wisdom comes, God's mind of what is happening, what that's for. And then, the word of knowledge, what to do before it happens. Only God would have known that. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. So all of these gifts are in the Old Testament. But they weren't poured out as in the day of Pentecost when they were given. So we're living in a a greater age than what they, even the prophets, we say, oh, if the prophets were here. No, we're living with the Holy Spirit within us. Every one of us should be a prophet for the Lord in some way, shape, or form, bringing God's word to our nation. Every one of us. Seeking God to say, Lord, what will I say to that man, that woman at work? Look, people think prophecy has to be by this time next week, such and such. No. Prophesying can come and say, I was just praying and the Lord's showing you, showing you, say, look, here's a wee thing that I just wanted to give you. Would you read it? I'm not talking about you know, weird and wonderful things. Just the, you know, the Lord's asked me to write this to you that he loves you, he wants to bless you, and he's going to do this with you. Whatever God gives you, give them the scripture of what he says. So, when we look at this, we see the Lord Jesus in Luke 11, and he says to the scribes and the Pharisees, who were who just totally, I'm trying to think of the nice word to put in it, because if you were to go into their teachings of the day, he called them their father the devil. 
He said to them, see, most of them weren't even true Judaites. Most of them were Edomites. Didn't even, didn't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't know him. And so they had taken the Babylonian Talmudic religions in with what the original Hebraic Israelite worship was, and they had mongrelized it. That's a nice word for it. It was What they were doing at times was horrific. They had bound the people, and yet they weren't lifting a finger to help in the bondage. Do you know if you had have been walking past this wall here and say that wall fell over to you on the Sabbath day, they were only allowed to come over or they sent people over to lift a few bricks to see if you were alive or dead. But you weren't allowed to be moved. It's the Sabbath. If you had vinegar wine, you were allowed to swallow but not gargle because that constituted work. This is how bound the people were. And unfortunately, we're going to find that bondage is in a lot of places of worship. They will bind you to man's tradition. They bind you hand and foot to what they think you should do, who you should be. And the Lord came to set the captive free. So whenever we look, the Lord says to them, to the scribes and the Pharisees, Luke eleven fifty two. at the end of it, he says, ye have taken away the key of knowledge. What did they do? They wanted nothing to do with the reality of the Spirit of God. The prophecies of the Word of God and the law of God, they were saying, though, we don't really, we believe in all that, but here's our law. 615, is it? Traditions of, 15 traditions of men. 615 traditions of men they had placed on it. You see, a, a church that is filled with new covenant, blood-washed, blood-bought, spirit-filled believers in Christ, they're not going to be bound by tradition of men. You know why? Because the old wineskins will burst with the new wine. When the Spirit comes in, it'll blow you up or blow you out. So what we need to do is we need to set all of those traditional things and the rituals and all those things that bind you. And men coming in and telling you, ladies, you know, all you're good for is making tea. Now that's a lie. Ladies. Amen. And all you men are going, amen, that's because your wife's sitting beside you. That's a lie. Bind. But the Spirit comes and gives us knowledge of the Scripture, gives us knowledge in the Spirit, and sets you free. And he sets you free. I better move on. Okay, so the word of knowledge, that's it. I, I, I can't really go into it too much because it'll take, obviously, too long to go through this whole series. Let's look at discerning of spirits. This is a, an interesting one. Let's read verse 8 to verse 10. 
For to everyone is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diver kind of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now, verse 10 says, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Now, discerning of spirits here is the third gift of what's known as the revelatory or the revelation gifts. Gifts to the mind to bring. The revelative. So this is the last one of the first batch of three. There's three threes in the nine gifts. So when we look at the discerning of spirits, it's the, the third gift, but it's the seventh gift which is mentioned in chronological order here in our reading. Nevertheless, it's the third revelatory gift. This gift enables the possessor to have an acute penetration into the realm of spirits, to distinguish between what is of God and what is not of God. So God wants you to be wise, to discern what is of God and what is not of God discerning of spirits. It also gives the idea of discerning when you're dealing with people and the spirit. Listen, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, let me get a drink. <coughs> Nolan Beverly's curries dragged me out there, but it's great. <coughs> For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And notice what Paul says, we wrestle. The word wrestle here means to throw, to press, to hold down. To throw, to press, to hold down. Strangely enough, I was speaking to someone visit them this week and they spoke of something that had never happened to them before and it was really like what people would call you in the, call in the scientific world sleep paralysis. Who's heard of sleep paralysis? Good lot of us. Who's ever had sleep paralysis? Okay. Sleep paralysis, not all times, but in many times can be a spirit. be a spirit. I've had sleep paralysis many times. And Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not someone has come into your actual bedroom and sat on your chest, but rather something. Now, this is just one example. It can happen in everyday life. The idea is it holds you down, wrestles against you, presses on you. It can oppress you. Many Christians who struggle out and they think, am I possessed? The answer is no. There's oppression though. The devil wants to hold you back. The devil wants to hold you down. The devil is wrestling against everything you're trying to do for his glory. And you be 
as sure as you're sitting in your seat, as sure as you're, as sure as you're sitting here this morning, the first moment you step out to do something for God, you're in this battle. Well, my life's great, and we just tick along. Well, then you're not in the fight, you're not in the faith. It's as simple as that. And when we look at this, the Lord wants us to see what is actually there, what is the, to discern what really is happening and what is going on. So Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The word here for uh, The word, here, the word here for wrestle, as I said, is the word pally or pale. And Paul is saying there's a, there's a spiritual world. Many Christians don't really believe there's a spiritual world. I'm talking about Christians now. The unbelievers are actually would believe more in a spiritual world, but they believe in a world where, you know, Uncle Bob and Auntie Annie and... Granda Bill is, uh, or whatever, is looking down on you, you know, and he, he's talking to you, or he's with you all the time. Brothers and sisters, that's nonsense. Hello? That is not God. Discern the Spirit. God may give you comfort in things, but it's not the Spirit. Notice this. The word here to discern is the word diachresis, diachresis, or resis. It just simply means the ability to judge between, and it, between a judicial system of right and wrong, false and true. And the Bible tells us to be able to discern in many ways. For example, I'll not have time to turn to all of these. So if you want to write some of these down, then we'll look at some of them, just a few. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 and 14, it speaks of discerning or understanding of false apostles. False apostles. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Notice, but try the spirits. See, I wonder when Christians go against Christians and they say, if you judge, you shall be judged with the same manner you've judged with, so you're going to be judged, you shouldn't judge. And I would say to them, twist not the scripture lest you be like Satan. The Bible is full of discerning for Christians, the church, to discern. That's why the church is in such a state it is. It doesn't know how to discern anymore. It doesn't know what truth is anymore. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter now if we all get together and we live in happy la-la land and everybody gets together and sure, look, we're all praising the same God or we're not. Bring in Allah and bring in Buddha and bring in Confucius and, you know, and, and bring in all your, your Roman beads and bring in your Muslim beads and, you know, let's all just get together and have one big happy party. We're all going around the same mountain to reach the top. That's not true. 
There's one Savior. There's one true living God. And his name one. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Try the spirits, he says, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So you false apostles, now you false prophets. Second Peter 2 and 1 speaks of false teachers. You have, to, you have to try these. You have to see. You have to have eyes in your, your head and ears to listen to what is being said, but to God, what he, his mind is in, in the matter. The word of knowledge. Listen, the word of wisdom. Now the discerning of spirits. God gives us this. They work together, you see. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. False brethren. Hmm. That's a good one, isn't it? False brethren. If I had a pound for every time I have had either people who have come to a saving faith in Christ and live like a devil or have come to a saving faith in Christ told me how great the Lord was and went into the world and never followed him. If I had a pound coin for everyone who came and told me how much they loved me and then tore my back out. (laughs) I tell you, I'd be able to buy this building for CET. I'm sure you've had a few of them too. Listen, pray for them. Let it go over your head. And you know what you do? Just keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on him. That's what you do, simple. I don't know if I should say this or not, but I don't want to get anybody into trouble. I'll try and do it it in codified form. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit saith to the church, okay? Just this week, I have had two men come to me. Two pastors. Two different churches. From an old movement I used to belong to. And they told me that they loved me. They were praying for me. And they were praying for CET. That God would do something. Because they can see certain things that are just not right among men. You see, you need to let God. You don't need to run around Blast everybody. Fall out with everybody. Let God be God. And you pray for them. See that person that irks you? Have you prayed for them? See that person that you just can't stand at times? How often have you prayed for them? 
Because say as soon as you start praying for someone, you're going to go, Lord, I'm praying for such and such, and, they're going, and the Lord's going to go, do you mean it? Yes, Lord. And he's going to go, I know your heart, you don't. <laughs> Come on, be honest. Who, who's had that before? <laughs> Maybe he's just having been praying for your enemies. That's what's wrong. <laughs> and the more you pray for them, the more you're going to start to feel the burden lift. The more you feel the burden lift, and the more earnest you are for them and really surrendering that over to God, you know what you're going to feel? You're going to experience more blessing. You know what's going to happen? You're not going to feel that for that person anymore. In Acts chapter 16, in fact, if you want to read from there to chapter 18, but you'll find the spirit of divination is at work there. That is the spirit of Python. And the word of God also speaks about deceivers in 2 John chapter 7. Seducers in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Pardon me, 2 John verse 7. 2 Timothy 3, verse 13. Doctrines of devils. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Seducing spirits are also there. And the spirit of Antichrist. 1 John 4, 13. 2 John 8, 18, verse, 2 John, pardon me, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and 22. And 2 John, again, you'll find the discerning of spirits or the spirit of Antichrist, being able to discern these things. You have to excuse my, my vision this morning. So I'm going to finish here by saying this. These are also used in the fourth and the fifth gifts, which God willing we will look at. Maybe next week. For example, the fourth and the fifth gifts are the gifts of healing. And fifthly is the working of miracles. Look, I, used, I always like to preach about Christ and illustrations have their place. I'm not against illustrations, but little illustrations here have their place. Sometimes the reality of things that have happened to testify we do it when we get saved, but also in our life, helps people understand things that are happening. And sometimes when you're doing, you're going somewhere, I don't know if you've ever dealt with someone who's been possessed. People go, is that real? Yeah, it's very real. Possession of a spirit can manifest in different ways. Discerning when you're dealing with that person, is essential. I remember I stood with a man, and it was actually in Whitewell, quite a lot of years ago. And as he was talking to me, I could see him talking to me. How do you explain the unexplainable? It's, it, it's something that you see. It's not that they're physical but yet there's like, you'd think it was something like a, a, an almost an invisible mask comes over them. And then suddenly a spirit on them. It's speaking, then he's speaking. 
was speaking than he was speaking. And as I, I don't want to get too much into that, but as we dealt with that, you could see the fear in the man because he knew in himself. And in the fear that that man had, I started speaking, first of all, to the spirit because it masked this man. Totally masked him. He was captive and bound by it. And then as we started speaking, we started, I started saying to the spirit, who are you? What's your name? And as it progresses, we give the spirit a wonderful shock that he's never had maybe before. Have you ever heard of the name of Jesus? Now, his name is above every other name. Oh boy, have you ever heard of the blood of Calvary? Have you ever heard what happened at Golgotha's hill? The power of the blood. And at this time, seen more of the man coming, more of the man, and he just went, help me. He brought him into a room. Actually, it's the same room I used last week to marry my niece in. This is a room that I got married into, and you know, wasn't We worked with him there, prayed with him there, and the Spirit left him in Jesus' name. Some people may look at that and say, no, he's just troubled. This man was troubled, but there's more than just troubled. About two years, two, three years ago, I got a call one Sunday night. I was just home from church. Could you please come around? I didn't know this man, but I got a phone call. Could you please come around? Um, this certain person was running around the house saying he was Satan. <clears throat> And he was scaring the kids and they were upstairs hiding and his wife was petrified. And so I go around and some of his family there and he's sitting calm as anything on a settee. Start talking to the man. And he was, he was okay. He just wasn't angry or violent or showing anything. And suddenly that just little word of wisdom came and says, go over and face him face to face. So I pulled one of those stools over and I sat face to face with him. He was on the sofa. And I'll tell you, I actually had brought a friend. He's all Gary. He went to Canada. Brought Gary with me. Gary had never experienced anything like this before. I started talking to this person. I says, who are you? I'm Satan. I says, no, you're not. No, you're not. I am. I says, no, you're not. And the guy's just talking as if he's normal, and he says, do you want to see me? Do you want to see him? I said, show yourself. His face changed. His teeth started to crunch, and he jumped off the settee and grabbed me by the throat threw me onto the ground and I lay I was hanging on to him for a grim death as to say wrestling with him on the floor a couple of family members came and tried to help me and he was just strengthening him was tremendous 
But I got down and I actually got down and I put my knee on his face. And I says, now, who are you? I am Satan. I says, no, you're not. I says, you're nothing. I says, you're nothing. You're a pussycat. I says, who do you think you're scaring? You're a pussycat. I says, there's no roar out of you. I says, you're already defeated. And he was writhing and he was going mad and he was spitting at me and trying to punch me. And I got down and I held him by the throat. And I says, in the name of Jesus, you leave this man alone. Boom. That man's saved. Get on with God. Discerning what is happening. My brothers and sisters, here is the final thought on this. There's a spiritual realm and there's a spiritual world. But, please hear this. This is of the utmost importance. Don't one of you, not one of you, go through those doors and go home this morning afraid. If you're a child of God. Don't be afraid if you are blood washed. If you are his, that is the Lord Jesus. Don't you go through those doors and be afraid. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Too many Christians are afraid. You're on the winning team. You're on the victory side. And God says, I have this for you, church. Because as the world gets darker, he wants you to glow and shine brighter. Does that make sense for us? These things are real. But we have the victory. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless his holy name. Bless his name. That was a bit of a different one. Didn't expect that this morning. Sure you didn't. And, you know, maybe throughout this I'll tell you a few more of those experiences. It's not to say, look at me, because, look, I'm just that, I was talking to a few of the ladies this morning, I'm just that guy from back streets of Belfast. I'm just that guy who left school without qualifying. I'm that guy who was arrested at 12 years of age for the first time. I said the first time. That's all I am. I'm that guy who's worthy of nothing. But as I came to know him, and he lives in me, I have come to know it's not my strength. It's all in him. God bless him. Bless you this morning. God bless his word to us this morning.